and welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 6, Episode 16, which is titled Under Control. The episode aired on March 23rd in the year 2000. Lauren, Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago? Highlights of the 2000 Class of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees include Eric Clapton, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Nat King Cole, Billie Holiday, and James Taylor. Boy band sensation NSYNC, I almost said NSYNC, <laughs> NSYNC released their fourth studio album, No Strings Attached. The album contains probably NSYNC's best-known song, Bye Bye Bye, as well as hit singles, I'll Never Stop, It's Gonna Be Me, and This I Promise You, and will go on to be Billboard's album of the year for 2000, selling nearly 10 million copies in the process. It's, I think it set, it set the record for most copies sold in the first week. Mm. So what that record that record actually stood until 2015. Wow. wow. Uh Backstreet Boys are in sync. I was always a Backstreet Boys kid. Mm, I yeah, I get I don't know. If I had to pick one, I guess maybe in sync. Like, I don't know. They I, I'm basing a lot of that off of how I feel about most of the various like parts of them now. Mm. Like there's Fair. the there's the one dude from the Backstreet Boys who's like a hardcore MAGA chud, and then the in sync it's like yeah Justin Timberlake's a little icky sometimes, but at least he's not like you know gross white ring right wing nut job. Yeah, Backstreet Boys for me. Um, Aaron Brockovich, the woman in the. <laughs> I read that wrong. Aaron Brockovich, the woman versus large corporation legal drama starring Julia Roberts, beats out newcomer teen horror flick Final Destination, as well as last week's box office winner sci-fi movie. Stop putting so many adjectives in these fucking Sorry. things. <laughs> it's okay. As well as last week's box office winner sci-fi movie Mission to Mars to become the new number one movie. I love Final Destination. Those movies are so fucking good. I can't ride down a freeway ever again without nope. just, especially behind trucks. Nope. Especially anytime I see a logging truck on nope. the highway, I just instinctively clench. Yep. And I speed up to get ahead of them as fast as humanly did, possible. Did those movies scar an entire gen? Maybe this is why we have anxiety. Maybe. <laughs> it's just those specific movies because they are all worst case scenario and it's like a Rube Goldberg machine of death where you are watching to see, okay, how what's going to fucking go wrong here? I mean, that's literally the whole thing. I it's know. fucking fantastic. Can we rewatch those soon? Another movie to add to the list of things that I want to rewatch <laughs> that I will never rewatch. I want to watch Final Destination soon. I'll text it to you. Thank you. And after a short run atop the music charts for Amazed by Lone Star, Say My Name by Destiny's Child takes over the top spot. Sasha, you're not listening, but this one's for you. All right. Wow. What else is on? Uh, we have two new shows joining the lineup mm. this week. Don't get attached to either one of them is all I will you say. You got it. Uh, at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode of The One with Joey's Fridge. And at 8.30, the first of the two new ones, uh, Daddy-O uh, with the episode Grapefruits of Wrath. Uh, as near as I can tell, this was also their pilot episode, but they just didn't title it pilot episode. Uh, Daddy-O was a sitcom starring, believe it or not, Michael Chiklis as a former restaurant supply salesman who decides to become a stay-at-home dad. It was canceled after just nine episodes in October of 2000. Uh, the first season is about five episodes long, so I'd imagine it'll be with us for the next month or so. And then it gets a uh, second season order, but only gets halfway through its second season before it gets the axe. Yikes. Uh, and yeah, if you're keeping score at home, Michael Chiklis is only just a couple of years away from becoming uh, the Shield, uh, where he will, you know, that that's kind of the thing that he's best known for is... Uh, beaten up perps over no, on the excuse shield you, he's best known as the thing sure sure to to i'm sure you and his mother i'm sure that is <laughs> the, the the two people for whom that is his best role uh at 9 p.m frazier with the episode hot pursuit and at 9 30 the second of our two new shows joining the party here battery park uh with its pilot episode is a sitcom about a police department in battery park manhattan starring elizabeth perkins and uh Recent ER guest star Justin Luis Ferreira, uh, aka Hit That Motherfucker with a Car from a few weeks ago, the hockey player. Mm -hmm. uh, oh. He's getting his own show here. Unfortunately for everyone involved, it will be canceled after just four episodes. 
yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, even if it wasn't terrible and canceled after four episodes, I can only imagine that a sitcom taking place in, I don't know, lower Manhattan probably wasn't going to survive much more than about a year after this. So uh, it was kind of doomed from the start. This week's episode had 27.1 million viewers tuning in, directed by Christopher Missiano doing his sixth out of 11. Previous one of his from this season was Great Expectations, and written by the duo of Neil Bear doing his 16th out of 18. Previous one of his from this season was Humpty Dumpty, and Joe Sachs doing his seventh out of 35. Previous one of his was The Domino Heart. And we start off this episode with Mark and David working on repairing a projector together because David wants to look through some old slides. Very cute, very very uh father-son moment excellent just love these two it's great um and mark has made mark has made an appointment with oncology for david on monday at three and david's like but the san diego docs said it was incurable mark responds incurable not untreatable there is a difference yeah and then we go over to lizzie who is helping her mom pack to head back to britain and she finds one of David's socks in her mom's drawer. And she's like, oh, my God. And the mom was like, can you please get that back to David for me? And then she goes on to say her mom is happy for her and Mark. And, oh, no, Elizabeth found his boxers, too. Yeah. Fun times. Speaking of fun times, returning to work on crutches is one John Carter, MD. Uh, ben says looks like he's recovering just fine, just from his most recent MRI and Tells Carter to take his time, which Carter will not do in the slightest. Ugh. I Chen offers to help him if he needs anything. I do like their friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he drops his bag and crutches in the lounge while he's trying to get into his locker. And just, I felt the pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I've never been stabbed back there, but as someone with chronic back pain issues... And when you bend wrong, it's just, it's the worst possible feeling. Do all three of us have back issues by 30? Because I know you <laughs> talk about your back spasming, Daniel. Oh, Lizzie, yeah. I know, is a mess, and I've had back surgery. So are we all fucking messes? I think so. Oh, yeah. Wow. I mean, but yeah, decade so, and a half of retail will do that to a yeah, person, from, in my case. I have no fucking excuse. Um, but yeah, so Noah Wiley definitely just portrays it really well. Mm-hmm. Just that excruciating surprise pain. Yeah. Which this is sort of, I think, kind of the the germ of the idea that I was talking about at the end of last week's episode of like, I wanted a whole episode just of this. Like, I wanted a whole episode where we just follow Carter around either either coming back into work or even before he gets to come back into work when he's still upstairs, you know, where he's just dealing with the pain and the pain is kind of the the boogeyman in the episode. I feel like that could have been a cool concept, but none of that matters because we got twinkles, bitch for the first (laughs) time in, I don't even know how long, certainly the first time this season. Um, we are now, uh, what this is episode 16. So we are now 15 and one on the, uh, bang to twinkle ratio this season. I, I will have our listeners know that the minute this happened, uh, I had to have Lizzie rewind and confirm it because I was like, I don't think that was a bang. So we rewound it. I screamed. I put it in all caps in the notes, highlighted it with orange for Daniel, and we immediately texted him. It's, we were so excited. It's a twinkle one. Um, I, honestly, though, like I didn't feel like it deserved it. I feel like it probably was better. I, I sort of am agreeing with you, Lauren, that I think it might have been better better suited last episode. Like mm-hmm. do twinkles last episode and do bangs here. It just seems like it made a little bit more sense here um, to do a bang, but... Uh, I'm not complaining. I'll take it. I mean, it. this is this is also still a slow burn start, so having a twinkle here isn't terrible. I hate that this is where we're at six seasons in, that we are analyzing why they're doing bangs versus twinkles. <laughs> but like, no, I don't. No. I love it. I love this show. This is great. Um, but yeah, it just, like, this is fine. It's a slow burn start. It's not coming in with a high impact trauma. I think twinkle works. Yeah, I just, I think like, because the, the, what hap- the way they do it is like, you know, he, he drops his stuff on the floor and then he picks everything up, finally gets all of his stuff back together and then looks in, looks in the mirror in his locker. And that's the thing that takes – and to me, it was just like the way he looks right into the, the mirror and everything. It just had like this very like kind of punctual thing to it where it seemed like a bang would have been more appropriate. Um, whereas I think if they'd have taken an extra beat 
and just had him do like kind of a like big heavy sigh and just like a big like like catch his breath kind of thing i think that might have led better into a twinkle thing but you know i'm not gonna complain for my my, my first twinkle of the season i'll take it uh, but we come out of the intro to Helene looking for Abby in Admit. Uh, we find out that both Luca and Carrie are on tonight, and Mark is going to be boss for the day. And apparently we're dealing with a lot of cranky patients today, so get used to that. Uh, Dave is busy doing his best trying to get a date with Chen uh, when we get a uh, our first patient of the episode, Frank Bacon, in the an ICU nurse from upstairs who passed out. Uh, and Frank here is played by actor Morris Chestnut, who appeared in stuff like Under Siege 2, Kick-Ass 2, The Best Man, uh, among many other things, and he's making his first of two appearances uh, in this episode. Uh, now, I have a question for the class. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, canonically confirmed, or is it just like, uh, or is it just strong fandom opinion? that frank is chen's baby daddy i because i i, I, I can't remember i think it is too i was just I, I was really struggling to remember um because as soon as he popped up i was like oh it's you know that guy he's that's exactly what lizzie said yeah i was like i was thinking about it and i was like he's chen's baby daddy isn't he but then i was like wait two appearances eh, like i was like just you know when there's 331 of these fucking things like you have to like think about these things and and I I feel like I I have uh, vivid memories of Frank being referred to as the father of Chen's baby, but couldn't remember if that was just you know fan uh, fantasy booking after the fact or if that was like actually confirmed, which I guess will be um, probably in his second appearance. Um, yeah, I was like, is that not the reason for his second appearance? I again, I don't really remember. Like I. I, I know, I know, and I definitely know the the two of them have a thing for sure, which they they waste no time sort of uh, establishing that in this episode. Um, but in any event, we'll circle back to Frank a little bit later on. Halle complains to Mark that uh, three patients have already left without being seen, uh, and uh, Mark is having students and residents do power rounds to try and get them caught up. Uh, and he's, is it him that says this? Is it about a, the $800 with, test? With the popsicle stick, yeah. Right, right, right. popsicle right. stick test, yeah. So, yeah. So, they, they're treating a patient in the hallway, and they're bringing her up to the, the uh, CT. Uh, she's going up for a potential uh, jaw fracture, and he just sticks a popsicle stick in her mouth and, like, plucks it and is like, do you have any pain? She's like, no. He's like, cancel the CT. Why do an $800 test when a simple stick will do the trick? Yeah, I think, yeah, not a popsicle stick. Tongue depressor, my bad, but. I mean, it's. Yeah, to it's me, the, they're to me, they're exactly the same. Glorified popsicle stick. Yeah, they're bigger. It's a magnum popsicle stick. Ugh. Anyway, yikes. Okay. Um. Anyway, an OD is brought in by EMTs. Fun little segue there. Um, gentleman's name is Adam Pulido. Mm-hmm. Pulido. Yeah, he's thirty-eight. Uh, probable. He's a probable overdose. Uh, Carter, Connie, and Carol are running the trauma, and poor Carter. He's, he should not be no. here. Mm-mm. He should, if he's, he definitely shouldn't be in back, a trauma. In, oh, back in the ER. And he definitely, definitely shouldn't be in a trauma because he is just having the hardest time getting around. Mm-hmm. On two crutches. Yeah. yeah. When it is not his norm and he is still in tons of pain. Like, it's one thing for Carrie because she's just adapted to move like that and mm-hmm. she's got the special, like, medical crutch for it. Mm-hmm. But... No, he is on old school, in the armpits, limping around crutches. No. Mm. And is still in a tremendous amount of pain. Like Unlike yes. unlike Carrie, who I'm sure is in like some baseline level of discomfort, but isn't always in like agonizing you know, pain. Yeah. That's not until later seasons. Yeah. He cringes every time he has to reach for something or bend a little bit throughout this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Which, in the ER, is constant. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then we go over to Abby, who's working on her patient. Um, he, we find out his colon cancer has spread, and he has lots of fluid in the abdomen. Um, she does offer him some morphine right away. He says, oh, last time they wouldn't give me any until my labs were returned. And I saw Dave look at her when she does this, and I thought he was going to be like, oh, my God, you're giving him morphine right now? His labs aren't back. But instead, he's like, yeah, all right, you're learning. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is going to be her uh, her through line for the episode, pretty much. 
Yeah. And Abby's patient here is played by actor Cal Gibson, who appeared in stuff like Scrooged, Best Men, and uh, the TV series Quantum Leap. Uh, all bit parts and all. Um, but uh, did we ever get? Did we ever get a patient name for him? I feel like we might have. I want to say it was like Ken or something, maybe. But it's not. It's know. never like a a focus or anything. The the craziest thing that I sort of dug up when digging through this guy because. Um, you know, based on his appearance in this episode, I sort of got the impression that he was an older guy and I was not going to be at all surprised when I did the cast notes to find out that maybe he had passed away. Mm-hmm. And not only did I find out that he had not passed away, um, but he's one of those people um, occasionally will run across somebody on IMDb who just has no birth date information listed at all. So that mm-hmm. we don't we don't know how old they are. Um, and so I had to dig a little bit further. And since he's not a big name, he's not somebody who's like starred in a bunch of things. There's not a ton of information out there about him on the Internet. But what I the little things that I was able to find and dig up my best estimation based on that information is that he is about 38 years old in this episode <laughs> which make which would make him what which would make him in his late 50s now and so i'm just Wait, like what? right i was like that doesn't try that, that doesn't make sense no. he'd be 60 now if he was 30 yeah he'd, he'd be he'd be late 50s early 60s now so it's just i i I suppose that's possible that that could be true, but it does seem a little no. bit far fetched. Because yeah, based on how he looks in this episode, I'm just like, dude, you look like you're in your late fifties, early sixties here. But the only little bit of information I could found about find about this guy online says that he is that age today. So like, mm. it's very strange. So okay, guess it, guess it's one of those mysteries we'll just never know. Uh, but then we go over to Chen, who is checking on Frank Bacon, and he takes his shirt off so she, for his exam and monitoring so she can put the EKG leads on him and everything. And she is so flustered by how handsome he is that she just keeps, like, getting the leads stuck to her fingers and, like, just can't get, get her shit together. And she's giggling. And Malucci's watching her do all this and laughing at her. And he's like, you need any help? <laughs> to be fair, he's a very him. attractive man. He is very, very handsome. So, you know, I get it. Anyway, uh, David is trying to get Mark to go all the way out to Schomburg for projector parts, which Mark says that's 45 minutes away. And on a good day, like on like a very, very little traffic day, that'd probably be accurate based on what we generally know about. Do we even? Yeah, based on where I assume it's in Mark the south lives. loop. Yeah, if. If Mark lives in the West Loop in Susan's old place still, right? That's yeah. still the case? Yep. So in, from the West Loop to Schaumburg, I'd say, yeah, on a good day with with very little traffic, probably 45 minutes. It's also that highway goes right past O'Hare, so it's never very little traffic. So <laughs> you're probably looking at, depending on where in Schaumburg, you're probably looking at about at least an hour, probably closer to an hour, 15, hour 30. Just... If on on a on a bad day, yeah, on like the worst day, because there are certainly days where straight from like where you get on the highway all the way out to O'Hare, it's just solid traffic and it's the worst. I hated just PTSD flashbacks from when I was <laughs> an Uber driver. <laughs> uh, I hated it. it was the worst. Um, but he tells Cordy how ridiculous David's being about the treatment and stuff and the lies and. He says, oh, yeah, and then Mark throws in a lie of his own where it's like, oh, yeah, no, it's about his emphysema. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. It's fine. Mm. When we get our next patient coming in, and they need a monitored bed, uh, but Randy says that they're full, so Mark has to do some shuffling of patients to uh, create room for the new patient coming in. Uh, He ducks into the lounge to refill his coffee, and uh, Carol is finishing up pumping. Uh, keep that in mind because it'll come up a little bit later. My my brain just went Chekhov's breast milk. <laughs> that was my nickname it in is. high school. God, uh, Daniel. Oh, God. Uh, this, uh, which this does lead to an objectively funny moment later in the episode. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't help but think that it was a, a just like ripe, ripe Jerry moment. Like this, yes. this is where our boy's absence is is felt is in moments like these where. We could have had Jerry filling that role later in the episode. Um, 
But we go back to the uh, OD trauma. Uh, he's been seizing for three minutes. Uh, not great. Uh, Carter is having trouble getting the innovation done because bending over is hard, as you might imagine. Uh, we jump over to the other trauma room where they have a gunshot wound to the head. There is gray matter everywhere. Uh, they've pretty much got an organ donor on their hands. They just need to be able to stabilize him and keep the organs vital. Uh, Abby is uh, getting to practice a central line. Uh, and as they're trying to get him set up and get him stabilized, they're searching him and they find some identification. They, they identify him as a Robert Jackson from Naperville, uh, a Chicago suburb I have actually slept in. Uh, nice. That's where our Airbnb was. I'm sorry. It was fine. Like the the well the. It's not that bad. The, it's the worst NIMBY. Yeah, it was a little. It was a little bit white a little, bullshit I've ever seen. A little bit bougie, uh, and but I will say that the uh, people we stayed with were very nice because apparently that that was towards the tail end of our like marathon road trip that went all over the mm. country, and we were very tired and we were very like just ready to be done with being on the road. And I guess I must have accidentally only booked our Airbnb for uh, one night instead of two. And so on the morning of the second day, we thought we had a whole nother night there. So we got on the train and rode into Chicago and started looking around stuff. Got this like very polite message from the woman who was, who owned the house, who was like, uh, y'all just like left all of your stuff here. Like, is this ours now? Or like what she was just very like, very confused because in her mind we had already checked out like we were already out of her house for for good and i was like oh please don't throw away all of our stuff that would that would be very bad please don't do that it's uh, literally all of our stuff yeah that is literally everything we have at the moment all of the rest of our stuff is in storage so please don't do that and she was very nice but uh, that's my neighborville story so nice uh but back to the trauma lizzie takes over uh because abby's not able to get the uh, line in in time We'll check back on this a little bit later. Uh, we go over to Carter, who's trying to get Adam on dialysis for his overdose, but the renal resident is not on board with this line of thinking. And Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, Carter says he'll just write the order, and Carol goes along with it. Yeah. So, but she, uh, yeah, Carol says the nephrologist usually has to write it, but gets Carter in touch with a nurse, uh, with a friendly nurse. I she says, she says, oh, she won't ask questions. Yeah, I like I like to picture this as that, that period of uh, like late season four, early season five where Clooney just started showing up to work in street clothes. That's what I like mm -hmm. to that's what I like to picture with Carol here, where she's like, yeah. she's got one foot out the door already. She's like, I don't fucking care. Like, hand me the net thing and I'll sign it. I don't I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh then we have a gentleman who is arresting in curtains. Chen shocks him, lights his chest hair on fire while yeah. trying to use the defibrillator. And Frank Bacon to the rescue. He helps shave the patient so they can shock him again and get him stable. Um, there is no luck on Robert Jackson's family because his license is phony. And Mark tries to get Lizzie to be realistic and let him go. Like He's like, you can't spend your whole day keeping this man alive. Two things about the guy with the uh, burning chest hair. Number one, just yes. from a... Uh, like you know logistical thing i'm sure that probably smelled horrible well they they allude I mean, they, to that yeah they allude to that yeah they do allude to that but I, like i just in reality i can only imagine that smelled horrible and two just from like a, a technical standpoint i would love to know how they pulled that one off like i would love to know the like props story of how they mm -hmm. did that because that's not a you know special effect or anything that's they just legit light this dude's chest on fire and uh, I'm sure that he has, like, you know, burned gel and stuff on him to keep him from getting hurt. But I still would just like to to know how the sausage got made on that one. Anyway, uh, Carter's working on the dialysis. And, of course, he bends over and yells out in pain. And I clenched for him. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the dialysis nurse figures out that they're actually not working under the orders of the renal... Uh, the renal service team. folks yeah, yeah resident. real fellow right Re resident i believe resident i don't know person <laughs> the renal guy the pee person who knows Jeez. um the kidney cadet the kidney cadet. i'm done it's all failed bits over here that's yes, fine uh mark walks in and calls carter out of the hall and he's like no dude let me break the rules that's what i'm here for 
He's yeah, he's mostly mad Carter didn't give him the full picture. He's yeah. not mad that Carter lied. He's just like, Tell me everything you're doing so yeah. I can cover I know. your ass. Like this you is gotta work the system sometimes, but just let me do it, dude. Like you're young and dumb. How how badly do you think Mark was flashing back to Doug there? Like he's like, I have oh, a I have another yeah. fucking Doug Ross on my hands doing doing fucking phony procedures with Carol in a room off yep. to the side. Like <laughs> And he does sort of like quickly brush this aside uh in a way that he definitely did not granted with doug there was an infant involved but you know he does sort of like make this out to be not as big of a deal as i feel like it should be uh very yeah. quickly and i i want to point out to our our uh renal nurse there who's helping out uh only because somebody else is going to bring it up in the comments later uh, is the same nurse who we talked about uh, a while ago, whenever it was that she first popped up, who uh, her main claim to fame is that after she was on the show years later, she goes on to be one of the real housewives of somewhere, you know? Oh, yeah. So uh, that's going to come up in the, the comment section a little bit later. But uh, I want to give a content warning for this storyline that we're about to cover. Yeah, probably. I know. I just know some of our listeners don't do well with babies not doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. I just, I know love's labor loss is a big hot button issue for a lot of our listeners. So guys, we'll, we'll see you next week. If this is going to be a deal breaker. Cause this baby don't do great. Yeah. We love you. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> not, what, not, not much more you can say to lead into that other than just diving right in. Uh, Six-month-old with seizure and vomiting, now lethargic. Uh, little girl's name is Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. And the EMTs were unable to get a line in on her. And uh, the mother, um, English is her second language. Uh, she's uh, Hispanic, so Chuni is uh, explaining everything to her as they're going. Um and Mark is, starts to do a spinal tap, uh, or she, he's actually what they sh- they don't ever actually show him doing the spinal tap. They show him doing the um, inter. Yeah. The, oh, it's like basically they're sticking a needle into her bone in her right. uh, leg because they can't get because they can't get a line, line. In. right? Ah. Yeah. It's not great. Um, our mother here is played by actress Elpidia Carrillo, who appeared in stuff like Predators 1 and 2, uh, Salvador, and Nine Lives. Um, and I think she is our high... I didn't mark this down at the time because I thought there must be somebody coming later in the episode who's going to knock her off, but I don't think they did. Uh, so I think she's our high watermark uh, person for the episode. She has like 70-some-odd credits to her name. Hmm. Uh, then we go back over to Frank Bacon and Chen as they flirt some more. Um, his heart rate's fine. They're just waiting on final labs, so she wants to keep him monitored until they get that back. Um, Abby is working on the periosynthesis with her colon, cancer, colon cancer patient. Colon cancer patient. Um, Chen coaches her on how to do it, and Frank interrupts to help on what she needs as well. So Frank, because he works in the ICU, of course he knows all of this stuff. Um, her cancer patient begins complaining of pain, and Frank says Abby should order an upright chest film immediately. You done goofed, Abby. Ruh-roh. And then we pop back over to Estrella, and they think she's septic or maybe has meningitis. And from there, Carter updates Mark on how Adam is doing with the dialysis. Then it uh, turns out Randy gave the bacon man permission to check on labs at the admin desk computer. Uh, Chen has to drag him back to bed in more ways than one. <laughs> you stop that. Then uh, Dave is a... Uh, oh, oh, yeah, look, Chekhov's milk. Dave is eating cereal out of an Emesis basin, and we realize he used Carol's breast milk from the fridge. When he goes, yeah, there was just some cereal and a jar of milk, and Carol goes, a jar of milk? Doesn't even tell him. She's just like, oh, my God, you fucking moron. (laughs) Which, like, I feel like maybe he sort of puts it together for himself there, but, like, doesn't seem that bothered by it. Like, doesn't, like, does not flinch at all. I mean, considering considering he's eating out of an emesis basin to begin with. I mean, you know, as long as it's clean. Uh, As long as it's clean. As long as it's clean. It's a bowl. That's not the issue here. Yeah, it's a bowl, just like anything else. He's got to eat the flutie flakes. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a like genuinely funny moment, and I'm probably yes. probably going to use it as the clip for this episode because it's, that's fine. This episode needed a pick me up desperately. Yep. 
Um, and also too, like I know we'll, we have more opportunities to talk about him later, but like um, I'm sort of surprised they didn't make Frank uh, more of a regular character. Like I feel like he he nice. could have been a nice occasional character, like pop him in once or twice, you know, like oh yeah. we need a float nurse for this episode. Like he just yeah he he seemed to like fit in well with the the sort of the vibe of everything. <laughs> we put up with Rondo. Let us have Frank. Yeah, like it just seemed like it could have been a could have been a nice addition, but. Uh, but we go over back again to Estrella. Uh, Yosh and Shuni are working on her uh, when Mark is pulled into the other room to work on Robert Jackson because he is crashing. So we'll check back in on her in just a minute. Uh, Benton is explaining what Abby did wrong based on the x-ray to the colon cancer patient. Uh, so he's explaining that she, uh, she likely perforated the diaphragm uh, and explains his current options, neither of which are particularly good because um, he's facing the possibility of a surgery uh, that may or may not make things better and carries a recovery time longer than what his expected remaining life expectancy is. Uh, or not having the surgery and potentially dying a much more painful and prolonged agonizing death. Great, great set of options that our friend here is stuck with. Um, and you can just see written all over Abby's face, how bad she feels about it. Like it's, I feel like we go through this with almost every new doc where they, they, they fuck up with a new pay. Like, you know, Carter had the one where he perfed the guys, um, uh, what was it? Like he was trying to do a, a tap thing, like from the back. This is, this is like Play season two. Yeah. Nick something. And then eventually the guy bled out and died, you know? So it's like, I just feel like we've, it was the liver. I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. I mean, wasn't he trying to do like a belly tap. Yeah. Yeah. Like during a liver. trauma or something. Or I don't know. It was anyway, it, it was during the Harper days, but it was just, I just feel like we, this is a, Dark days. this is a, uh, a, a, almost a rite of passage for new doctors coming on the show is that they have to have this patient in their first handful where they fuck everything up and have to feel bad about it. Um, but we go back to Australia's trauma where she is still down. Uh, lab results are back and they seem normal. Uh, she's still got no pulse. They've done seven rounds of Epi uh, and you can pretty much see Mark you know, you can see the point where he realizes this, this is a lost cause. And he says that they're done. There's nothing more they can do, uh, but doesn't call time of death just yet uh, as he leaves the room to go get the mother and tells them to just kind of clean her up and make sure she's presentable before he brings the mother in. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Um, also fun times. The cancer man tells Benton that he does not want the surgery, um, but Benton says they can treat him with antibiotics and, hope for the best but he gets Paige out of the room because there's really nothing else left for him to do so but abby asked benton outside and if they're supposed to fix their mistakes but if he kind of puts into perspective like no it's not up to us like he's he's like if the guy was 20 and healthy sure yeah but this dude like you didn't kill him Mm -hmm. you may have killed him a little bit faster but like you didn't kill him this man was going to die very soon anyway Mm -hmm. does he does this do we get very much of this pairing? Because I don't feel like we do. No. Benton and, and I want more. Yeah. Benton and Abby get another, is yet another sort of interesting pairing that I feel like we could have seen more of that we don't. Estrella's mom is holding her, crying, um, asking Mark to help. She's in denial and shock that Estrella is dead. Um, Chuni asks if they should give the mom something just to calm her down. Because the mom's just saying, she's still warm. Help my baby. Help my baby. And Mark does such a good job of, like, he just kind of holds her, not not firmly in a bad way, but just kind of, like, steadies her. Yeah. And looks her in the eye and just says, there's nothing we can do. We've done everything. Like, I'm sorry. Good boy, Mark. He's learned his lesson from early seasons. But then from there we go to... Drunk is brought in from under the L. Not really actually a through-line patient. Don't know why I even put notes on it. He didn't end up mattering. Nope. Uh, Frank Bacon is now helping with the overstuffed ER. You go, Frank. Uh, Abby then tells Mark how she screwed up. And she says, I want to sit with my patient. And Mark's like, no, we need you out here in the ER. Like, we're full. You need to be doing your job. Yeah. 
but then we get another lighthearted <laughs> lighthearted i guess sure starts yeah, starts out lighthearted yeah a uh, guy comes in with his hands finger hands and fingers being swallowed by a gila monster Rawr. which this is the first and this was the first and i think the only time i've ever heard of this particular species of lizard really a gia monster yeah like, it's uh yeah they're i mean they're they're not like common thing they're not like rare i would say but they're not like your i wouldn't say they're probably not your introductory reptile like it's it's probably because i watched so much goddamn zaboomba foo as a child or something that i just or like steve the? Irwin. Did you just have a i think my no. i think my mom used to do that at the gym zaboomba foo what lauren's looking something up anyway but uh, Mark says he, they only kill the animal as a last result because he's got Malucci with him. He's like, what the, like, do we just knock out the fucking lizard? Um, and Dave is get in there getting ready to catch him, but they, and they managed to pry his jaw open and get him into a bucket. And Mark is like, Mark tells Lydia to, to clean, uh, to clean the wound. And Lydia just looks at it and just goes, ouch. Yeah. It's, it is a very like drive-by sort of strange patient detour that we take here and uh i I also can't decide if the lizard is real or not like i i watched it a couple of times and like i cannot decide if it's like an animatronic thing or if it's a real lizard that i'm sure is you know trained and everything but like i just no clue it it was I, i was watching it very intently Okay, I didn't have a stroke. That is what the goddamn children's show is called. I'm sending you both a link to prove I'm right for after the show. Okay. It was it was an animal like kids show where they had guests on with wild anim- with like refuge animals. And what and was stuff. it called? Zabumafu. Bless you. <laughs> Zabumafu. Okay. All right. Today I learned. I hate you so much. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, well, we go back to. Uh, Robert, who is still arresting uh, slash crashing, uh, Lizzie's still getting through trying to get him get him stabilized. She is determined to save these organs and help somebody with them, not have this guy die completely in vain. Um, Mark is trying to get her to listen to reason, calm down, and you know stop. Uh, there, it also bears mentioning too that she is taking up an entire trauma room with this little crusade here, which is making it mm-hmm. difficult with the already overstuffed ER. Uh, it's making it difficult for them to move patients in and out appropriately because uh, she can't get him stabilized. The, the whole uh, fight she's been having this whole time is she's trying to get him stabilized enough to move up to the OR so that they can, you know, have him ready to potentially harvest his organs. But they can't even get that far. Um, he's uh, We found out he's a DNR, and uh, he tells her not to keep flogging him. Uh, I think Mark makes him a DNR. Yeah, he's just like, I'm fucking calling this. Like, oh, okay, that's what it is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, because like, as Mark's like, no, this dude is done. Is this dude is dead? Yeah. he's circling the drain, and nothing you can do is gonna stop this. Mm. Stop it. Yeah, it's it sucks, but what can you do? Uh, but we go back from we go from that bright sunshine over to the other uh, flavor of bright sunshine. Uh, Australia's labs are back uh, and turns out she was positive for amphetamines uh, and Carol goes in with Mark to talk to the mother uh, and they she finally admits you know that she works two jobs and sometimes takes uh, uppers to stay awake but never brings anything home uh, and then Carol I believe is the one that makes the connection mm-hmm. that um, are you breastfeeding which might have caused that to be passed through in the breast milk uh so mom takes this about how you would expect yep then lizzie calls her mom to tell her that she can't make their coffee date and yosh says oh your mom there was a message for you your mom's not coming because she took an earlier flight (laughs) i I just sort of like the on the nose nature of this because it's not like it's not like yosh walks up Yosh is over yeah. her shoulder the entire time that she's giving this message. And so she she finishes giving the message and then Yosh turns around and goes, oh, I forgot. I have a message for you. And then proceeds to basically just repeat exactly what she said on the message. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yosh. So good. And then uh, we see Frank is helping run the board with the nurses. And uh, 
who should come in on a, on a stretcher, but David, yay. Um, no, not yay. I uh, called 911 because he was short of breath and he was brought in by the EMTs and Mark and Yosha are working on him. He is fluid about halfway through his lungs and needs a thoracentesis. And he's just kind of like waving off like, oh no, I'm fine. Like, uh, whatever. Like I've been thought th- it was just a cold. Yeah, I thought it was just a cold, whatever. I've been feeling crappy for a couple of days. And after Mark uh, does so much fuss, all this fussing over him, uh, David asked Corday to be to do it because she's a surgeon, and that, he's like, I think he doesn't he bring up the thing like, oh yeah, like sh- family members shouldn't treat their their other family members, mm-hmm. right? I don't, I don't recall. Yeah, he does. He he but, says something um, to that effect. Yeah, throws it back in Mark's face. Mm-hmm. The thing from a few episodes ago. Um, and I also think part of it is, you know, he doesn't want Mark to see him this vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be taken care of by his son in this way. Yeah, I'm sure that's definitely part of it. And I just like it from a, you know, standpoint of how much we've come to enjoy the David Green and Elizabeth sort of dynamic mm-hmm. that like for him to just be like, no, he, and he actually says at one point, I want Elizabeth to be my doctor. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's like, that. Rawr. yeah, like I just, I just like the two of them together and it's a fun pair. Uh, but yeah, very, very tough to see Papa Green down in this, uh, in this situation, especially just because we know it's not going to have a happy ending, but, um, we're not, not able to absorb too much of that because Mark is called away because Lizard Boy is crashing because of the Gila Venom and, uh, Frank is helping them out on this one. Uh, and suddenly everything is on fire all at the same time and falling apart, uh, metaphorically, uh, and everyone needs Mark all at the same time. And, uh, uh, like everything is going wrong. Like Abby needs him. Lydia needs him. Uh, you know, the Gila monster guy, the is crashing. Like there's just so much like stuff happening. There's a jumper. Yeah. The, Randy's yeah. calling him from the side that there's a jumper on the, th- the third floor. And Mark says something to the effect of just like, well, we better clear a trauma room. Like he doesn't even like try to address it or try to deal with like, it. Like what would he even do there? Honestly. Right. Though? Yeah. Yeah. That's for psych. Yeah, so yeah, he's not going to personally go up there and talk to the person like mm. what the hell. So, yeah, it was just a very uh, good, quick scene to a sort of establish kind of how boxed in and overwhelmed Mark is feeling. Yep. And then it, it wraps with um, like it, it comes to a head with them saying the guy just jumped. Whoopsies. All right, let's go to our, finally our first audio clip of the episode. It's been a very weird, very hectic one to this week. 31 uh, minutes in. Yes. Uh, David's telling Corday what's going on with his cancer. I said it was a stage four lung cancer. Doctor said it couldn't be cut out or cured. Sometimes chemotherapy can shrink the tumor and lengthen survival. I know all about that. You interested? Mark sure seems to be. What about you? What do you want? I just want to live out the last couple of months of my life as normal as I can. I don't want to be hooked up to a bunch of tubes puking my guts out, all for the sake of a few extra miserable weeks. Well, when we get the fluid off, you'll feel a lot better. Now I'm going to numb you up. This will sting a bit. Ready when you are. Poor David. I know, I hate this. But it's nice that someone's finally asking him, well, what do you want? Yeah. Because yeah. I can imagine having Mark bearing down on him at pretty much every given opportunity. Like, what the fuck, man? Probably not helping. Yeah. Also, isn't this where Corday finds out about it? Um, I'm sure, she, yes. yeah, officially, yeah. She's probably put it together yeah. for herself. I think, I think... She finds out about it in the last scene, in the uh, when he's getting his lungs tapped, but mm. in a roundabout sort of way. And then here's where he expands on it. No, well here he's about to get his lungs tapped. Well, no, I'm saying like he's into he's he's in to get his lungs tapped, oh. and they're having they're having gotcha. their little argument, and so he she finds okay, out about it okay. there. But again, another pairing that we will never not have enough nope. of. No, nope. no, but. For unfortunate reasons. Then we go and Abby has learned that colon cancer man passed away. And of course, nobody fucking told her. So she's going to go 
check on that, I guess. Um, just Abby and the realities of being a doctor versus being a nurse this episode. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, Carrie comes in with the jumper from Psych. And, of course, Frank has collapsed in the middle of the ER, but he's got a good pulse, so Chen's going to get him off to a monitor bed again. Not the bacon. Not the bacon. Uh, Carol's nanny is calling again, which has been a through line through this whole episode that I didn't even get to type because, holy shit, there's been so much going on. But the twins are just fussy babies. Uh, Here, Carol is singing to Kate over the phone to help her sleep in the middle of a trauma and it's an excellent combination here of the trauma going on, Carol singing, and then it goes over to Mark looking at Lizzie and David through the trauma room window. Just good composition all around of the of the whole mm-hmm. melting pot of emotion right there. I like I like Mark uh, sort of teasing Carol too, where he's like, "You call that a lullaby?" <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> it's just very very sweet, good. gentle needling. Uh, then Luca offers to help with some of the patients, and Mark says, please just take new ones, and they'll just clear the board out that way. Uh, Carol's nanny brought the girls in because they were just too fussy, and she was new and couldn't handle them. Uh, we learn Frank has Addison's disease, but, you know, they caught it, and he's being admitted to medicine so they can treat it and, you know, get him good moving forward. And Chen's like, oh, I might go up to visit him after I'm off work. Tells Dave that just to be sassy. Gonna do a little more than visit him. <laughs> yep. Let's just keep making those jokes. Uh, and then Lizzie calls time of death on her organ donor patient has finally given up here. Now let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Yosh needs Corday to sign a discharge on David. Dr. Corday, could you sign a discharge order? On which patient? Dr. Green's father. I'll be right out. Mark, why didn't you tell me your father has cancer? He didn't want anybody to know. You told him to follow up with oncology. He doesn't want to. What about novel bean? There's no side effects. It'll shrink the tumor, and he won't get his chest tapped every week. I've given him those options. But it it can improve the quality of his life. Talk to him. He'll listen to you. It's his decision. But maybe if you explain it, he'll change his mind. Mark, I have to respect his wishes. He's my father. Hey, I want to help him. If you really want to help, just be there for him. I want to sit there when there's something more I can do. Feel for Mark there because he's he he does. I mean, he's he's making good points, but at the same time, like you were saying earlier, Lauren, like somebody's needs to take David's feelings into account here as well. And it's so hard when it's like, but you could do something, and it's like, yeah, but do you want right. to? Like his wife's gone. He's only recently mended his relationship with his son. It's not going to get cured. Yeah, right. he might just be tired. Yeah, he, he might also be feeling like I might want to quit while I'm ahead with my son too. Like I might, I mm-hmm. might want to just put a pin in this before I screw it up again. Yeah, there's so many layers to why his is a valid choice, yeah. and he should get the agency he deserves as a grown man. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm fully on board. I'm fully on David's side on this one. As much as we love David and want to see more of him, I completely get where he's coming from. Absolutely. Well, we get, uh, after that, the return of one of our favorite recurring characters who's not nearly recurring enough, uh, Dr. Upton, the uh, mortician uh, or pathologist, as she should be. uh, That's, you know, it is what it is. Like, uh, the pathologist down in the morgue uh, with the cool voice. Yeah. who uh, Abby has been sent to to work on her central line skills. But yeah, so she's down there with the pathologist and um, because she's been sent down there by Mark to do a little bit of extra homework because she she showed some some gaps today. And of course, the um, body that she gets to work on is the gentleman that she, quote, killed earlier and this is who she has to practice her central lines on so she is a little overcome with emotion and almost walks away but our lovely pathologist is like do you do you want to stop are you okay and abby just takes a minute centers herself like we love abby for doing big strong girl says nope i'm good can you walk me through it and she decides to honor this man by honoring his donation and learning from him Good for her. All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Carrie is catching up with Carter to see how he is doing. 
crazy day, huh? Yep. John, are you still in a lot of pain? It's not too bad. Yeah. It seemed like you're having a hard time getting around in drama. I'm okay. Well, the first day back can be rough. Yeah, every day gets a little bit easier. Have you talked to anybody about what happened? And your family's been supportive? Yeah, really, Dr. Weaver, I'm okay. You know, you might benefit from a TENS unit or from acupuncture. Thanks, I'll let you know. Or from taking a fucking break, my dude. Yeah. Going to some therapy. Mm. Letting yourself heal. In so many ways. Mm -hmm. Also, she said acupuncture, and then I was like, holy shit, I miss acupuncture. <laughs> telling you, just find a new place. Oh. Oh, Carter. Sorry, sorry your old place got too, way too bougie for you. It's it's complicated, but yeah, poor baby Carter. He just... It's kind of like when Carol came back to work, both after the twins and after her um, unaliving attempt, mm -hmm. when everybody was just like, are you okay? Are you good? Should you be here? Do you need more time? Right. And it's like, I understand where Carter's coming from. He's like, I just want to get on with my life. I want to move past this. Like, work is the only way I know how to do that. But also, holy shit, my dude. Take some time. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um, I'm glad we get one more scene, though. I'm glad, I'm glad we don't leave it here with Carter. I'm glad we get one more. Uh, tie mm -hmm. it up in a bow a little bit. Uh, but for now, we see Mark saying goodnight to Lizzie and heading out with his dad. And uh, he stops to tie his dad's shoes on the way out the door because David can't bend over. It's a very just sweet little moment between the two of them. And then we go over and we see Benton and Cleo playing pool because that's also a thing that's happening at the moment that seems very inconsequential with everything else that's happening. Um, and he, they're, they're trying to do this like flirty little thing where he's like showing her how to line up this tricky shot. And it's, I, you know, it is sort of a good up illustration of how their two personalities kind of complement each other um and we do get their first on-screen kiss uh between the two of them but i could not care less <laughs> like this is like just the definition of just kind of like okay cool like it, it doesn't have any sort of like build to it or any sort of uh it sort of feels like something again as we've said many times since cleo showed up like it sort of feels like she's being put here to for this purpose and that's it like we're not this is not being built organically this is not like there's no like grand chemistry pulling these two characters together it's just sort of like accepted that like this is where we have to end up so let's let's just mark our, our spots along the road until we get there. I, I liked this one. I'm, I'm going to say this. I think this is one of like the two times they have chemistry, but this scene, I really oh, yeah, enjoyed. I, it's a beautiful, a beautiful bench moment. <laughs> yeah. I think they, I think they have, I think they make the best out of it. I'm just saying that like conceptually, it does not feel like they've done enough to earn where we're at. Like they've just sort of like been like, okay, this is what we're doing. And like, it, it, I don't know. It just doesn't feel to me like there's enough justification for it. Fair. Now let's go to our last audio clip. Uh, Lauren and I both yelled out gamma when, when she, when she came up on screen. So let's uh, listen to gamma and Carter. If I'd known you were coming, we'd have served a late dinner. Soup's fine. You're looking well, John. Thank you. I started back to work today. Shouldn't you give yourself a bit more time off? Is it okay? Actually, it was kind of tough. I didn't know if I was going to make it through the day. I uh, felt, I don't know, afraid. Afraid of what? That I couldn't handle it. But you did. I know we've had our disagreements about your career. But I can see now that medicine is what you love. I 
I remember when you were in high school, you'd drop by unexpectedly. I'd make cocoa and we'd talk. I remember. We haven't done this in a long time. I know. Gamma, gamma, <laughs> gamma, gamma. It is nice to have her back. It's what he needs right now. I love her. I love how she works into this storyline mm-hmm. of his eventual stuff. Yeah, downfall, if you want to call it yeah. that. Spiral. Spiral. There we go. But I just like I like her presence throughout mm-hmm. all of it. Yeah. I think she's a little bit of what we as the audience needed to see too. Like we needed a little bit of a comforting sight. Soup. Yeah. Uh, just a, a comforting presence in his part of the story because it's looking pretty bleak at the moment, you know, like just all pain and suffering essentially. Yeah. So it's just nice to have her back. And it's nice to have him finally admit to somebody that this has not been as easy as he thought it would be, you know? Yeah. I'm glad he took Carrie's words to heart in some way and realized maybe I just need my gamma. Yeah. yeah. We all need our grandmother sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we wrap up the episode with Mark and David um, going through the slides together. They finally got that damn projector working. And it reminds me a lot of uh, Doug and Mark sitting and sipping beers in the hotel, going through Doug's dad's stuff and fathers mm-hmm. and sons. Yeah. Just a very, very similar framing, very similar um, way they've done this shot. But very, very sweet. The scene always gets me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lizzie, do you want to point out the thing at the very end that got you? The picture, the last picture and everything? I'll do it. Um, I was trying to give you a prompt, but um, at the very last photo we see, it's just a picture of David and Mark together on the couch. And David's like, this is the vacation box. What's this doing in here? Like, why'd your mom take this? And Mark says something like, I guess she just liked what she Mm -hmm. saw. And that photo, Mark is the most horrifying child I've ever seen. He has such haunting eyes. Real children of the corn vibes from Mark there. Yes. But also sadness. Yes. Tears. And I, I don't know yes. if that's a just a younger picture of John Cullum or if they just did a really good job of like photoshopping or, or mm-hmm. doing something to make him look younger in that picture. But it's really well done. And yep. we close out the episode with a title card in memory of Michael Claypool, who uh, I looked up was the show's set decorator who actually died of cancer uh, this month, uh, March of 2000. Um, so mm. this would have been our sign guy. This would have been the guy who was responsible for the crack sign and pr- presumably the Damn films. It. So uh, you want to know who, whose it. films are those, Lauren? They were this guy's. Uh, the secret dies with yeah. me. Yeah, so it's a shame. We'll never know. Uh, but yeah. This is a weird one. Can I go first? Me. Yeah, sure, uh, go for it. Goddamn six. Slowest. <laughs> most tedious yeah yeah like yeah there's some real good mark and david stuff but for the most part it was all over Mm. the place it was real hard like yeah we had some good through lines but it was real hard like i know usually my judgment in case we haven't noticed by now is if i have trouble doing cohesive notes that's how i know the pacing of an episode is off because you guys will acknowledge that i i have my pace pretty mm-hmm. down pat and mm-hmm. this one i was all over the place trying to figure out what we needed how we needed it and just like lizzie and i both at about the 30 minute mark when we got our first audio clip lizzie's was like I, this should have been done 20 minutes yeah. ago like it just the pacing on this episode was all wrong we had some good nuggets but it just it just dragged so i i Part gotta of, give it a six i wouldn't I wouldn't, I wouldn't say go quite go that harsh. I'd go more in the seven range just because there's a lot of really good moments in here. That's why it doesn't get a five for me. <laughs> no. I, but that yeah, is me being it's gentle. Not a very cohesive episode. Yeah, I, I think part of the problem is that we don't develop much of a connection with any one patient or and and with any one. Like, usually you need to have one or the other. Like You either need to have a connection with a patient or... Or you need to have a connection with a story that one of the docs is going through in that particular episode. And and ideally, you get kind of a marriage of the two. Um, in this episode, like, yeah, you get little, like, drips and drabs of, like, connection with what Mark's doing and with what Carter's going through. Um, but nothing that really, like, grabs on and, and takes center stage is, like, this is the thing we're, we're focusing on. 
And with the patients, there's too many faceless patients in this episode. There are too many patients mm-hmm. that you, you like, develop no uh, connection to whatsoever. And the, the one that you do, Abby's patient, they barely mention his name. Like, they barely mention any – like, we we never caught it. Like, I, I'm pretty sure they do mention his name at one point, but, like, it's never something that you're supposed to focus on. So it's just – it makes it hard for you to, like – get attached to anybody when all the patients they're working on, like Corday's patient, faceless, uh, the jumper from the third floor, faceless, the, the baby faceless. Like there's no, you don't the OD, right. You develop zero connection to any of these patients because you're never really allowed to. And you know, it's, it's tough because like 13 and 14 leave a huge fucking wake like there's a huge wake behind those two episodes that you have to try to climb out of. And I would argue that 15 did a better job than 16. Like 15 is Mm -hmm. a much more cohesive episode, but this one is just like, eh, you know, like solid. I will will say six, six has been such a powerhouse. We were due for one of these eventually that we felt. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we know that they're going to, find the thread before the end of the season because the end of the season ends very strong but it's and this is always kind of that part of the season like this is always sort of the part of the season where it's kind of like yeah you know we're past sweeps we're past the big event of the season and now we're just kind of trying to muddle our way through until we start ramping up for the end of the season so it's to be expected Mm -hmm. what the listeners have to say about it though Audrey T says, the season six twinkles have arrived. Hooray. Dr. Green was such a sweetheart to Abby in this episode, allowing teaching moments whenever he could. Oh, hello, Morris Chestnut. Not sure if this is her first appearance, but I totally remember Kyle Richards being on this show. I always loved her name. Real, not character name. Now, this is the char- This is the Carol I like. She is too adorable with her girls. Carter, you are not okay. I am glad he opened up to I am glad he opened up to Gamma a little bit though. The only person he's been honest with so far. At KK San Diego says, Carol carrying her adorable twins through the ER. You know, to give you a reason to stop crying for a minute over Father Green dying, Abby killing a patient, Carter hurting, etc. At Basic Mall says, a simple review this time. Good lord, a hectic episode for everyone, especially Carter. We're approaching the end of Father Green and I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the end of this season. I am, because it's one of my favorite episodes, <laughs> is the finale. And at Leah1989 says, Malucci eating cereal from an emesis basin and unknowingly using Carol's jar of breast milk was so funny and so in character as something Malucci might do. Carol not telling him what that jar of milk really is was golden. Bon appetit, Dave! Also, why do so many people keep touching Carter on the back in this episode when he clearly would still have pain there, along with fear and anxiety from being approached from behind? Excellent point. That is an excellent point that we should have talked more about because it does come up like a couple of times. Yeah. You could almost feel his agony and alarm every time he winces and jumps at someone's touch. And our intro to the sweet tenderheartedness of Abby continues, having to practice procedures on someone whose death she feels responsible for. Yikes, what a heavy task that would be. Finally, I love Mark and Elizabeth's compassionate care for Mark's father. They made such a sweet team, and the softening of David Green character over time is such a welcome development. We love you, Mr. Green. Yes. But that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 40 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full-season recap episodes, a free four-monthly bonus show called The Lounge, Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at SetTheToneER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast, And we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Setting the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me spouting my usual nonsense on my personal Twitter at lobob92345. 
You can also find me on Twitter. I've been oddly quiet on Twitter lately. You have been. Yeah, it's weird. Life has been weird. Uh, but I'm at Random Gamer. That's J-M-3-R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time. And have a great week. Bye.